Welcome to Simmering Thoughts, where hosts Ryan Akers and Chris Dean lift the lid to sample slow-cooked thinking on Christian life and theology. You can find Simmering Thoughts by visiting our website, simmeringthoughts.podbean.com, by looking us up in Facebook, emailing simmeringthoughts at gmail.com, or following us on Twitter at SimmerThoughts. We'd love to hear from you and would appreciate any ratings and reviews you feel we've earned by posting those at Google Play and in iTunes. Settle in and enjoy. Yes, welcome to Simmering Thoughts. My name's Ryan Akers. I'm the host. And joining me this week, rather than our usual co-host, Chris is not able to be with us today. He's got some uh, family medical things that are going on and just wasn't able to record. But we have a guest co-host with us. Uh, She is an author of books, of blogs, and also uh, one of the best Twitter accounts that you can find on Twitter, and that is Amy Montravati. Amy, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, I think you've laid out some of the basics. I am a writer, and I basically do two kinds of writing. The first is that I'm a Christian blogger, and I have a website where I uh, write about all kinds of theological topics. I also contribute uh, articles to the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. And then the other half of the writing I do is writing historical fiction novels. I have a series I'm doing about Empress Matilda of England, the first of which you can purchase and the others of which I hope to finish sometime in the next few years would probably be a good <laughs> uh, time frame for that. So I live in Dayton, Ohio with my husband, Jai. And mostly I try to stay out of trouble, but that can be difficult sometimes on Twitter. So, uh, well, we'll see. I- I'm glad that you approve of my tweets and, uh, I- you didn't mention anything about my GIF usage. So that's one of the hopefully you approve that as Twitter well. Account, though. Uh, one of the okay. things, if you don't follow her on Twitter, I highly recommend it. Uh, and what you will notice is just when everybody starts to get a little tense in certain discussions, uh, somehow, some way, gifts start showing up with all sorts of different animals and cuteness or superheroes, just depending on the mood. And uh, that always breaks things up a little bit and uh, lightens the tone, which is always necessary on Twitter is to keep a lighter tone. So uh, <laughs> I definitely enjoy that. I'm also very much enjoying reading the first of your books. I've been working on it. I am not a fast reader mostly because I try to read too many things at once, not because I don't read a lot. I just read too much. Uh, So between Twitter and the three or four or five different things I'm reading, I don't make a lot of fast progress, but I'm very much enjoying it and learning quite a bit that I didn't know. Uh, So I do want want to say thank you for that. Oh, well, I'm so glad you're enjoying it. And yeah, it's not necessarily what someone might call a beach read or just something that you can quickly breeze through and doesn't require a lot of pondering. It is a little bit more in depth because of all the historical detail, but I think it's very rewarding if you can get through it. And I understand how you feel about the reading of books because I find the more writing I do, the less reading I do because I just don't have time. So uh, it can be difficult even for me as a writer. It can be difficult to, uh, persevere through a long book at times. So uh, if my book is one that is worth 
persevering through that I will take that as a compliment. So definitely. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad even, you've been enjoying it. <laughs> I don't even count it as persevering. It's a, I've, I've actually really enjoyed uh, getting through and, and reading. I've been, I tend to read in by chapters uh, and the chapters are a little bit longer than a lot of my attention span is. Uh, and so uh, that's been good for me to, to stretch that, but also just uh, working through and being able to, the way you've written it, to be able to pick up the next chapter isn't always that the story has sat um, dormant in my mind because I've been able to, to, to kind of keep track of the different characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I enjoy that part. There's sometimes I read a book and, you know, I can put it down for two days and come back to it. And I don't remember a thing. And I have to go back and reread. And sometimes I can put it down for a month and be able to come back and, oh, hey, no big deal, and just pick right up because it's something that's stuck in my head. Uh, And this is one that's definitely sticking. Very much enjoy it. Before we spend too much time talking about other things, though, we do want to get onto our topic a little bit. Uh, We have just recently, uh, with Simmering Thoughts, started in on a series discussing the fruit of the Spirit, and we are in our second of those. And so we're going to discuss joy today. My son, I asked him just this morning what it was he thought joy meant. He looked at me and simply said, oh, that just means happy. And for an eight-year-old, I think that's probably an okay answer. I'm not sure that that's the best of answers for us, especially as we consider it through uh, the lens of of faith and through the lens of what scripture says. You know, for an eight-year-old, you know, he's on day four of a really long weekend. We had snow day on Friday. It's snowing again today. We have uh, the day off and we're likely to have tomorrow off and maybe even Wednesday to go with it. So he is quite joyful at not having school and being a little bit out of routine. But at the same time, that joy is is short lived. And I think as we read scripture and as where I'm sure we're going to we're going to cover as we go through here. It seems to me that joy is uh, a little bit more abiding. It's a little bit uh, longer. It'll stick to your ribs, you might say. And I guess the the first question to jump off with is trying to find something of a definition of joy or some kind of an idea of of what joy looks like. And so I'm going to turn that over to you, Amy, and and see what we can come up with. Yes, it's a good question and one that Christians definitely have to think about because we're instructed to be always rejoicing and always joyful. And obviously, if we take that simple definition that joy is just purely a synonym for happy, uh, it, it seems rather impossible to be joyful all the time when you have things that come into your life that are unpleasant and painful and uh, they're more of a trial than anything that would make you happy. So I think we have to start out by saying that Happiness and joy are two different things. There are some similarities between them, but there are also some major differences. And if you allow me, Ryan, I'll just start out by reading uh, something that C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, Surprised by Joy, where he talks uh, about different experiences in his life and how he became a Christian. And to a degree, that book is his mm -hmm. autobiography of yes, his coming to faith. I, I read that along with, he wrote, that's the autobiography part. He wrote a uh, parallel to that, similar to Spurgeon's Pilgrim's Progress called The Pilgrim's Regress. 
which mm-hmm. is an allegorizing of Surprised by Joy. And I those two books combined, I read all three within the span of uh, of a year. And it was just fascinating to me to see how similarly the two of them thought. Differences in some mm-hmm. theological points, but just the, the way they put things in words, uh, the similarities were really cool. Yeah, and what I'm about to read, uh, his definition, I'm not sure if it's the same definition I would give, and I'll, I'll talk about that later, but I do think it's a useful starting point, and it gives you something to think about. Mm-hmm. So, and now I'm quoting, he said, uh, joy was an unsatisfied desire, which is itself more desirable than any other satisfaction. I call it joy, which is here a technical term, and must be sharply distinguished both from happiness and from pleasure. Joy, in my sense, has indeed one characteristic and one only in common with them, the fact that anyone who has experienced it will want it again. Apart from that, and considered only in its quality, it might almost equally well be called a particular kind of unhappiness or grief. But then it is a kind we want. I doubt whether anyone who has tasted it would ever if both were in his power, exchange it for all the pleasures in the world. But then joy is never in our power, and pleasure often is. So I think that that quote really kind of gets my wheels turning, (laughs) and makes me consider, especially when he talks about joy as uh, being almost as synonymous with grief as with happiness he's not saying it's the same but he's challenging us to come up with a deeper definition of what joy is it's the thing for which we would sacrifice all the pleasures in the world but then he's he reminds us that whereas we often have a certain amount of power over our pleasures our he says joy is never in our power and i think what he's getting at there and something that we really need to stress is that true joy as a fruit of the spirit is not just an emotion we work up within ourselves, but it is the gift of God. And specifically, it is the fruit of the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. So it, it, as you're doing this series on the fruits of the spirit, that's perhaps one thing that we need to state right away that the Holy Spirit is the one who is giving us this joy. It's not something that we can find in the world, but something that we can only find in God. I saw another good quote from Burke Parsons. He said, joy isn't the absence of sadness. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. And although the Holy Spirit produces joy within us, he often does so by humbling us so that we would take our eyes off ourselves and fix our eyes on Christ. Real joy exists even amid real sadness and real joy doesn't always mean there's a smile on our faces. That that quote especially, and and it it parallels with very much what uh, Lewis was saying. And and it's something that I've experienced. And even in looking back on things that have happened through my life, especially, uh, and and things that could be crippling to somebody in in many ways, emotionally and spiritually, have been the the very things that I go back to as 
almost bedrocks that, that God has put into my life, things that I can lean on those times uh, when things are going great and when things are going a little bit rough in my current life. As I look back, those things are there as as almost flagstones that I can lean on in joy. And I can say, you know, through that, I can trust and rely on the Holy Spirit. I can rely on God to provide. And and I, there's a restfulness that comes from that. Uh, and I think a lot of times I find the expre- experience of joy that I have through the Spirit is is resting in what has been done uh, through God's work in my life. Uh, and f- to put some feet on that and, and to kind of make it mm-hmm. concrete, uh, my brother died when I was 10 years old. He was four years older than me and, and died in a bicycle accident. And, you know, in many ways that could have been uh, a stunting event in my life. Uh, it could have been something th- that was a roadblock for me to grow through. And, and for a time it was, it was something that um, I had a good deal of struggle just processing and putting all the pieces together. Thankfully it happened after I had come to faith and after I had, had understood who God is and what he's done and put my faith in Christ. But at the same time, that's a that's a faith rocking type experience, uh, and it's something our whole family dealt with. My parents, especially, uh, there were just the two of us, and so you know now I'm an only child, having been one of the the baby of two. Uh, now I'm an only. My parents are struggling with it. I was struggling with it. Uh, within a year, my dad had a stroke, not because of the stress of of that event necessarily, because primarily because of some genetic things, uh, within his family. And, but, you know, having my brother die and then my dad get really sick all in the space of a couple of years, that was a difficult thing. And learning that God has all of those things figured out and handled before I get to them and being able to look back and see the trace of God's hand through those things uh, now, as things happen, uh, I'm able to, to process and deal with those things and do so with joy and, and just re- rest and relax and almost revel in God's providence. Yeah, I mean, thank you for sharing that from your experiences, because as you point out, there are times in our life where we're put in a situation so dark that it's almost difficult to imagine how we could ever have joy again uh in that moment you know it kind of to envision a circumstance in which that could happen and uh, particularly i have often thought that because i've gone through periods of depression and anxiety in my life that have been very dark for me and i've often thought how could i have had any hope to come through that if i did not have the Lord and I did not have my faith and I did not have the Christian community around me. I, I know people do it, but I have to believe there it's much more difficult because you don't have that solid foundation and that continual hope to put your trust in when mm-hmm. everything around you is chaos and uncertainty. 
And that that's where our true joy comes from. And I, in preparation for this podcast, I tried to think of what, how would I define joy? And one way I would do it is partially um, in a past, present, and future kind of sense. I would say joy is remembering what God has done in the past, being content with what he has given in the present, and trusting in what he will accomplish in the future. So for me, going through those times, it, it's very valuable to remember what God has done in the past. And a big part of that is reading scripture because it's full of all the stories of God's people and it has his words to us. And then one thing that's really difficult is being content in your present situation, which is, you know, if your life is going terribly, it can be very difficult to be content in that. But yes, yeah, scripture tells us, you know, we can be content in all circumstances and that may not make sense to us, but I think the answer is the way that can happen is because of the spirit that is living in us and uh, the comfort that that provides to us. That's the only way we can be have any hope of being content in circumstances that are very discontenting. And that's why, and I'm trying to remember the exact quote, you know, the uh, verse where Paul says, I've learned the secret to being content in all circumstances. And he basically said, I can do all things through uh, Christ. And he, he puts our attention back onto God, who's giving us that power to live with that contentment and what he has given us, and that he will provide for all our needs, even if he has a different understanding of what our needs are than we do. And then, of course, what is very important is trusting in what he's promised he's going to do in the future. I particularly found this in the past year because I've been dealing with a lot of physical pain and they, they believe I have fibromyalgia. And when you're going through a continual illness and continual pain like that uh, and becoming so frustrated with your body, uh, one thing that gives you a lot of hope is thinking about the future and the resurrection and how uh, the resurrection of Christ points to our own re resurrection. So once again, that's linking what God has done in the past with what he's going to do in the future and how that gives us a hope that everything that we're suffering now is only for a time mm -hmm. and that there is uh, going to be at the consummation of the ages, there will be a time when the tears are white for our eyes and uh, when we have uh, the most pure sense of deep and abiding joy. Now that doesn't always make us feel entirely happy in the present, but it can help us define that underlying joy when we place our hope in what we know is coming in the future. So I don't know if, what, what do you think? Is that a good working definition or would you tweak it at all? I think that's a good working definition. I'll get to mine in here in a second. Mm -hmm. uh, but right before you mentioned the passage with Paul, I had already just turned to that. I had grabbed my Bible and flipped right to it before you even got there. Uh, I'm glad you did because in the moment <laughs> I totally blanked on the wording and that's I'm okay. sure you, that, you was well. the that was the Mantravati uh, version. <laughs> and I think we probably need the inspired one. <laughs> Well, here we go. This is in uh, Philippians 4, and I'm going to tie a few things together through Philippians here. 
but it starts in verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. So he's finding his joy in what others are doing for him in the midst of his own struggles. He says, indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you've done well to share with me in your affliction. And so Paul is is pulling in uh, the idea of, of rejoicing in plenty and also in need. And just before that, you know, that's verses 10 through 14. Just before that in verse 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. So he's, he's encouraging them in this passage uh, through that idea of joy. Uh, and, it, and it brought to mind also something from my notes uh, as you were speaking there is, is in Zephaniah. And, but I got to, to have my first sermon not too long ago. And for my, the passage I chose was Zephaniah 3. Uh, that's that's uh, fi- seeing the gospel played out in, in Zephaniah 3 there. Uh, was something that from my personal study had stood out to me, and I wanted to share that. So that's uh, where I went with it. Uh, but starting in verse 14, so this is Zephaniah three fourteen, It says, Shout for joy, O daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away his judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You will fear disaster no more. In that day it will be said to Jerusalem, Do not be afraid, O Zion. Do not let your hands fall limp. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. That right there, uh, that that in heaven, at the consummation of the ages, that God is going to be singing over us. Enjoy. He will be quiet with his love and there will be a restfulness with that. He will be exulting over us with joy. We're told to exult in him. He is exulting in us uh, mm-hmm. in that passage. That That's that, that yet to come part of what you were talking about. And I guess that pulls in my definition a little bit. And that is, uh, for me, joy is celebrating the reality of God's rule and his power, and his love that he's already demonstrated for us, the salvation that he's given to us and is going to apply to those who believe. And mm-hmm. and for me, it's joy is, in my experience, joy is very closely related to praise. Uh, praise is, is in, in what I've experienced in life, praise is the, the uh, outward showing of the joy that I've got. Uh, sure. Whether I'm in struggle, whether I'm in uh, a time of persecution, there's a, a piece of music I played. Oh, goodness, it's been almost 10 years ago now. Uh, it's a brass band work. So the piece is called Aspects of Praise. And it takes O oh, for a Thousand Tongues and he places it in four totally different settings. And he titles them uh, Praise in Joy, Praise in Sorrow. Uh, sorry, Praise in Sadness and Persecution is the second one. 
praise in fellowship. And uh, I cannot praise in joy, praise in fellowship, prayer, praise in sadness and persecution. That may be the four. Uh, but but playing through that work and, and reflecting on it and thinking about it uh, through those times and, and listening to it since. I actually uh, did an arrangement with it as a marching band show uh, while I was still a band director. And, and just dealing with those different thoughts of, of praising God in each of those times and, and applying that to what I remember of my life, where I am today, what I was going through at the time, it, during that whole time while I was playing it. And uh, as band director, when we, when we programmed it, it was a time my wife and I were struggling for quite a while uh, through infertility problems. And it wasn't that we couldn't get pregnant. We couldn't get a pregnancy to delivery, uh, had, had a, an ectopic and both of them had to be, uh, handled surgically. And so, you know, we're struggling through having to deal with fertility treatments and then having to do, uh, in order to have a child, just the different things that we were dealing with and the struggles of that and, and the questioning and, you know, it's seeking, you know, what, where is this play in God's work and at the same time taking joy in knowing what is to come in the the Zephaniah passage and and dealing with Paul there those are things that have have stood out in my mind and the idea that that joy comes from within joy comes from the holy spirit and expresses itself through my life in praise especially in tough times and those are the times when other people really notice it is when you're praising during your tough times uh, and, and the, there's a passage in first Thessalonians five, uh, verses 16 to 18. He says, rejoice always pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will in Christ for you. So as we, as we hold on to that joy and express it through praise, uh, the thankfulness that we have to God, um, uh, that is all part of God's will for us and our sanctification as we grow in Christ. Um, not sure how else to put it as a definition, uh, but I think that expresses both the, what I've experienced and what I've pulled out of Scripture uh, over the years in, in looking at it, is that, that joy and praise are so closely related. Mm-hmm. You you given so many good points of that I'll have to decide at which order to respond to them. But uh, no, I think you, I mean, I think you said it's a like lot, a tweet storm. Yeah. You said a lot of great things there. Um, one, one thing that really connected with me is your point about it, uh, always leading to praise, but that sometimes, uh, I think we have perhaps, uh, not a correct understanding of what, praise is because if you think of praise and worship music or a worship service it's all very upbeat and it is uh focusing on you know the things god has done and the wonderful things we have in christ and i obviously we should celebrate those things but it can become difficult when you're going through a period of great sadness and mourning in your life to feel a connection with you know, it's like, how can I rejoice when I'm not feeling very happy? And I think we yes. need to realize that when the Bible is talking about worship and even um, praise of God, 
it's not necessarily linked with always with positive emotions. If you look at the Psalms, there are so many Psalms that are just lamenting uh, all kinds of different things about uh, the human experience. And sometimes they're painful physical things, sometimes lamenting the wickedness of uh, people in their sin, uh, sometimes lamenting that the things God has promised have not yet come to pass. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so that shows us if, if the Psalms are to be one of the main bases for how we give our praise to God, that shows us that our praise uh, also should probably be including a certain amount of lament. And there are some times where I've been in a very lamentful mood praying to God, and they may have been uh, some of the deepest moments of communion I felt like I've had with God in my life. Because in that moment, in that lament, uh, you, you experience what usually happens in those Psalms where you start in the depths of despair, and then you're reminded of what God has done, what he's doing now, what he will do in the future. And that causes you to turn and start focusing back on uh, the goodness of God rather than the badness of your circumstances and how God and his sovereignty will can um, actually bring redemption to your suffering, even as he uh, his own suffering was redemptive. And I'm not trying to suggest that suffering in and of itself is a good or a positive thing. We know it's the result of a sinful world, but we also know that God and his sovereignty is using all these circumstances, even things which are sinful. He eventually is weaving them into this tapestry in which his plan will be brought to fruition. Another thing you sort of touched on that I did want to mention is the idea that God himself feels joy. And that makes sense. If our joy is coming from God, then he is uh, the the source of all joy and he himself feels it. So that made me question, what exactly is it that makes God feel joy? And there were a couple passages of scripture I thought uh, talked about this, even as you mentioned the one in Zephaniah where it talks about uh, the joy in heaven over uh, God's people. Jesus told a short parable that sort of hit on the same point. He says, what woman, if she has 10 silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I have lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So that's showing us that God really uh, does experience joy in his children when uh, they repent and come to him. And when, you know, when he, he is glorified in us as we seek to glorify him. And so that's one way in which God experiences joy. And I think the extension of that comes in another passage in Hebrews uh, after the great uh, passage where the author is talking about all the people of faith and what faith is. Uh, He says, therefore, right, a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. 
Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And when I take for that passage is that it says Jesus had joy set before him, but before he was going to go through uh, just all the suffering and uh, of being, you know, nailed to a cross and everything that he experienced and that was for a joy that had been set before him. And that joy was the reconciliation that we now experience with God and becoming heirs along with Christ and the redemption we have through that. So he actually went through a lot of things that we would consider the antithesis of joy for that, for that ultimate joy that is really the source of all other joys come from the fact that we can be reconciled to God and that Christ has done all this for us. So that's the main joy. And then whenever a, a new person becomes part of that joy and repents and is saved, we're told that there is joy in heaven over that. So maybe that tells us something about where our joy should be rooted. If that's what is making God feel joy, then that should be the source of our joy. And that, that's where we're going to find true joy, not just by being reconciled to God, but by that participating in his redemptive mission to bring more people to God and always re- remembering um, the work of Christ and what that means for uh, both in the past and in our present, and what it will ultimately mean in the future when uh, we are in the new heavens and the new earth. So that's kind of the biblical view. And once you get, if you really experience that and you really have the Holy Spirit in you and you understand how amazing this thing that we've been, this gift is, it puts you in that place where C.S. Lewis was saying you'd be willing to give up all the pleasures of this world for that ultimate joy that is offered to you by God. And the verse that makes me think of, if I can find it here, is some, another thing that Jesus said where he noted that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field which a man found and hid again, and from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So to me, that is sort of the biblical version of what C.S. Lewis was saying about there is something that is such a wonderful joy, even though it uh, was brought about through suffering and it might require us to go through suffering. It is such an enormous joy that it is worth giving up all these temporary things for that which is eternal. So I, I love what you had to say there. I do want to pivot just a little bit. Uh, into some questions that I've asked uh, as we as we start to steer toward the end of an episode. Uh, as we looked at thankfulness a couple episodes, which wasn't officially part of this series, but it's kind of related. And as we looked at love in the last episode, uh, some of the questions I asked uh, we that we've already covered. Um, what is it? What you know? How should we have it? Where should it be focused? Uh, but a question I have is. Uh, and that I that I want to, to keep focusing on as we go through these fruits of the spirit, uh, 
is how do we cultivate joy in ourselves and how do we cultivate joy in uh, others that are around us? Sorry, I got distracted. My phone rang. I think I don't have school tomorrow. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> uh, it was the school board number. So that's my guess. Uh, anyway, uh, where do we, what can we do to help those around us to cultivate joy in themselves? And also what can we do with ourselves to help cultivate that joy? Yeah, that's a good question. And, uh, there are a couple of different directions we can take it in, but I'm often, drawn to this idea that um, in our union with Christ and becoming a part of his body, uh, we actually, uh, as Paul tells us in Philippians chapter uh, 3, we there's a fellowship of Christ's sufferings that we share in, but then we also share in his resurrection. So we see this theme throughout scripture, and it makes a lot of sense that uh, even as we share in pain we also share in joy and there's also a connection between our union with with christ and our union with uh, the body of christ our fellow believers and how we share in each other's sorrows and each other's joys and i was trying to find uh yeah there's a good uh, some good quotes in philippians about this uh paul told the philippians said even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. So this, there's this idea that as fellow believers, uh, even as uh, the Spirit provides comfort to us, we also can provide comfort to one another. So that would be one very practical way that we could grow in our joy. The other is uh, just that the more that we uh, increase in our understanding and knowledge of God and grow closer to Him, we will also be able to grow in our joy. Uh, and there's a, a couple of verses in James that sort of illustrate this point. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Clench your hands, you sinners, and purify you hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. And that seems kind of backwards that he's telling us to, <laughs> you should be miserable and you should be mourning and weeping. But there's this, I, the idea is that in order to come close to God, we first need to be repentant and we need to go through that period of sorrow so that when we come uh, closer to him, we will, also, we will be given that joy that comes from the Holy Spirit uh, when we have a right relationship with God. And a couple of verses that you had uh, mentioned to me uh, when we were preparing for this, Ryan, are in John 16, when Christ is getting ready to say goodbye, at least for a time, to his disciples. And he's uh, t giving them instructions for uh, what they're going to go through after he's gone. And he said, truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve but your grief will be turned into joy. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, 
she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. Therefore, you too have grief now, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. So those would be two things I would highlight as far as how we can grow in joy. Obviously, it's something that always has to come from the spirit because it is one of the fruits of the spirit. But some practical things we can do is uh, not forsaking our fellowship with other believers. And because we're going to experience uh, the joy of Christ often uh, through our fellowship with and the comfort that we have with other Christians, and also in our own individual relationship with God, um, seeking to remove any obstacle and put any sin to death that is keeping us uh, from being closer to Him. And as we draw near to Him, we may be brought through a time of testing uh, that in which we need to grow in perseverance. But ultimately, we will be brought into that joy that we already experienced somewhat and we will experience fully at the end of time. I really like the focus that you had in there on, especially on uh, fellowship and that we can exhort each other and lift one another up in joy. And, and when we're in those situations of struggle uh, to, to stand alongside somebody else, I think that's one of the ways that we can uh, help cultivate joy in others is uh, by standing next to them. I think another way we can do it is by sharing uh, our own joy with them. Uh, and, and where our joy is grounded, not just that, you know, you know, everything is great, but you know, I have this joy because, uh, another way of wording it is, is one of the ways Paul words it is that we should always have, uh, a ready example for the hope that's within us. We should always have a ready example for that hope, which is expressed in our joy. Uh, and so, and, and to a degree that hope is grounded in the joy that we know is coming in the end. And how did we get through those struggle times as we share that with somebody else that helps them kind of gain a perspective uh, that they may not have in the moment. Uh, I, I had a tweet not that long ago uh, that got a little bit of attention. Not very many people saw it, uh, but it, it was one of those things where I posted about what I've learned about listening. And I've learned in my life that I don't listen well when my ears are buzzing with any number of things. And one of those things is struggle and sorrow and pain. I don't listen well when I'm in those situations. And, and I have a hard time, especially listening to myself and my own, in my own thoughts. Uh, and I have a hard time listening to scripture when I'm in those moments. And so for somebody to come alongside and sit next to me and, and say, Hey, I've, you know, I went through a time that's kind of like this. Here's what I learned when I was there. And I, I hear that a little bit better. It helps uh, calm my ears down to where I can hear a little bit more clearly. So now we're looking into scripture and what have you learned through your struggle? And it's you know kind of like what Paul did with the Philippians where he says, guys, look at what I've been through. You've seen, you know, you, you saw me in jail. You saw me go through these things. You know that this is the struggle I'm going through even yet now. And yet I rejoice and you ought to rejoice too, which is one of the, the uh, recurring themes in that, that whole letter. Uh, is to call them to rejoice. It almost makes you wonder what struggle they were going through. Uh, in addition to what's plainly written in the letter, what else is underneath there that was causing those those struggles uh, that he kept re reinforcing the, the idea of going uh, and being rejoicing 
and, and having joy. Uh, and I think the Psalms is a place that we can go for that. And I, I find great comfort in reading the Psalms when I'm having one of those times when I'm uh, things are a little dry or I'm struggling, going back and, and reading the Psalms, especially the ones where uh, things aren't going so well. And it, it's, it's amazing how often at the end of those that struggle, 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 struggle. At the end, it's praise and joy. Mm-hmm. I take joy in God. I take rejoicing in the Lord. And it's always in the Lord. It's in who God is that we can find joy uh, because of who he is. He's done certain things and he's made promises and he's blessed us and he's promised to bless us. And we can rest in the promises because we know what he's already done and that he's faithful to what he said he's going to do. And uh, I, I think a degree of it is also spending time in prayer uh not just in fellowship together, but also in prayer together. Uh, I've found times where uh, someone can impart joy to me and help me share in their joy is when we're in prayer, uh, in celebrating things, but also in, in mourning things and, and in, in sorrow. Prayer has a way of causing us to speak what's in our hearts. And we find ourselves saying things in prayer that we wouldn't have thought of saying in a conversation. And uh, I think the Holy Spirit has a, has a great deal to do with that in guiding our heart as we're praying. And I think as we pray as a group, especially that starts to take shape and we see that joy come in uh, and that hope that is expressed there and the praise that is expressed there through uh, prayer, especially prayer together. I think singing and making music is a way to express joy. Uh, especially melancholy joy uh, is really well expressed in music. And as a musician, uh, somebody who likes to just goof around on an instrument, I find one of the, one of the emotions that I express most in those times when I just pick up my instrument and play not to learn anything and not to perform anything, but just to play what comes to mind is that more melancholy type feeling and that, that more uh, thoughtful, reflectiveness. Uh, and I think joy comes out of that reflection. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure joy is something that is a, uh, I'm not sure it's necessarily like a lamp that you flip it on and it turns on, and it shines brightly. I think it's more something that just emanates it. It turns on and it reflects out, uh, but it doesn't, you know, it's something that we have from somewhere else that we share elsewhere. And I think those reflective times when we think, is when we can find and, and, and locate our places of joy and rest on them. And then they really blossom. Mm-hmm. And I may have just gone really weird there of my thinking, but that's what happens when you have an ADD person. Oh, no, it's okay. I think uh, <laughs> the bottom line is, is that true joy is produced by the spirit through faith. Yes. And it looks to the author and perfecter of faith as its basis, who is Jesus Christ. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think you made a lot of good points there. I, I have felt in the past year sometimes, uh, with everything I've been dealing with physically, that when I sit down alone to read the scripture, I almost feel a little numb to it. Maybe that seems weird, mm-hmm. but it, it sometimes it just feels dry and, <laughs> or it's hard for me to, you know, really, uh, 
concentrate on it. But then if I read scripture with my husband or if I'm hearing it preached in, in church, sometimes that experience of uh, studying it with others will help bring it alive for me in uh, ways that can be hard for me to reach emotionally on my own. And I also understand your point about music because uh, – Believe it or not, I do have a musical background, and while I'm not capable of just sitting down and writing out things uh, on the fly, uh, I, I, I don't write. I just express. Well, <laughs> I, close enough. Um, I do find that uh, there are certain uh, songs that I like to listen to, sometimes pres- uh, Christian songs, sometimes just instrumental mm-hmm. kinds of things that seem to express uh, what I've been feeling. and. One thing I've tried to do a little bit is uh, find uh, psalms that are set to music and uh, listen to some of those. They can be beneficial because, of course, they were meant to be sung. And, you know, so little things like that, I I do think, can sometimes reach us on an emotional level. Uh, You know, God created music, so (laughs) it's something that speaks to us very deeply and draws out our emotions. But... um, even as we said, joy is not purely about emotion, but at the same time, I think it does produce a lot of emotions in us. So that's something that comes out yes. in our worship, in our whether in our lament or in our thanksgiving or whatever it is uh, when we're giving our praises to God. That is absolutely true. Uh, I, the amount of times where I've gone into picking up an instrument and you mentioned that dead feeling there's there's times where there's musically nothing happening in my head and and whether i sing or whether i whistle or whether i play a horn doesn't really matter but as it, i t- i find myself coming back to the same core group of songs regularly they come into my mind and and uh, are things that that make me reflect and all, almost every single one of those songs is a song that makes me reflect on who God is. Uh, How Great Thou Art is one of the ones that, that if I'm driving down the road and there's nothing on the radio, after a few minutes, that song will enter my mind. There, there are times during the course of a day, I'm just walking down the hallway at school, that song will kick into my mind. And, and the opportunity to praise God for who He is and how wonderful He is uh, just through, just through that one song gives me the, the, it's almost a, a prayerful entering in a time of prayer about how great God is and, and resting in that, then the joy comes in and, and noticing who God is. And we've said that several times. And I guess that's probably when we need to start closing is when we repeat ourselves that much. But, it, but I think as a closing thought that that's something to, to encourage, uh, those who are struggling with joy, if it's something that you struggle, uh, feeling joy, struggle, uh, expressing joy to go in and, and go back to that idea of, of who is God and praise God for who he is and rest in that. And then allow the Holy spirit to, to deal with you and to, to work with you and work in you in, uh, bringing about that joy and, and seek out where those places are where joy is growing uh, so that you can notice it. Uh, and that's, you know, that's a, a, a prayer and, and study uh, type situation. But 
that's that's something that I've experienced and I, I've read it several places, but I mean, I think scripture says it really clearly that in praise uh, and because of, of what we know God is and we praise him for, there's hope and there's joy and there's there's all these fruits of the spirit that then follow. I don't want to get ahead of myself for the next episode. So uh, before we be uh, do close up, do you have any any final thoughts? Um, I don't know that I do other than just, uh, you know, we've kind of summed up some of the things we talked about, but I really do like that quote that joy isn't the absence of sadness. It's the presence of the Holy spirit. I think that really, uh, gets to what we've been talking about today and, uh, helps us remember where our joy really comes from. I totally agree. I want to thank you so much, Amy, for, uh, coming in and guest hosting with me on this topic, uh, and, and especially talking about joy, uh, I know we've we've talked in back channels online and and through Twitter, especially on uh, some of the things you're going through and and uh, sensing the joy that you have through social media that that you express through there has been something that has uh, has brightened my day more than once. Uh, and, and it's something that, that again, that, that fellowship of believers being able to share, uh, has, has brought great joy to me. And I wanted to, to, especially you, to have you on this episode and talk about it, uh, because it's something that, that again, I think there's that connection between, uh, grief and joy and praise. Uh, but I want to say thank you for being on. If you could, before we finish up, uh, let everyone know where they might be able to find you online. Sure. And I mean, it's it's been great to be on. I've really enjoyed our discussion and I always enjoy our uh, interactions on Twitter, which is a place where joy is not always found. But and there have been uh, there have been some days, honestly, where I've been on Twitter this year where I've just been legitimately depressed. And uh, not necessarily always because of something on Twitter, but I've just been dealing with uh, depression because of everything that's going on. But what a balm it has been to my soul to find, uh, to make connections with Christian brothers and sisters from around the country yes. and around the world. Uh, some of whom uh, are very close to me uh, doctrinally and some are farther away, but uh, it has just been such a wonderful thing. And I would put up with a lot of the uh, nastiness on Twitter <laughs> in order to get to those moments where uh, you are able to uh, share in this fellowship, especially, you know, some days when it's been difficult for me to even go out or socialize with people in person, uh, that, that has yeah. been a way for me to still feel the fellowship of the saints. Um, if anybody wants to Follow me or my writings. Uh, you can do so on Twitter at Amy Montravati. That's A M Y M A N T R A V as in Victor, A D as in December, I. And I'm sorry for spelling it out like that, but I find that it's necessary when you have a last name like Montravati to do that. So <laughs> I do so. And uh, you can also, my blog is amymontravati.com. I do have a public page on Facebook where I will post uh, all my articles and you can follow me there. And uh, I think that's about all I do. I contribute sometimes to uh, a place for truth at the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, but that pretty much sums it up. If you ever want to, uh, you know, see what is going on at the moment with me, then usually Twitter is the right place. So. 
<laughs> yeah, I would follow me there. It does it, it? We're kind of both in that same ballpark, didn't it? That uh, if you set, hit us on Twitter, we're probably going to be there within the hour yeah. or a couple of hours. It kind of follows me around everywhere. So uh, I do encourage everybody to go to Amazon and look up the Girl Empress and find that book and read it. Uh, I have uh, uh, enjoyed reading it very much. Uh, and so I do encourage that. And I encourage you to follow Amy on Twitter. Uh, she is genuinely uh, seeks to find the truth answer, not just the answer she wants, uh, and also does so with uh, humor and joy and grace. And uh, I enjoy that very much about interacting with her. Uh, next time, uh, we will at least delve into peace. And that's probably a full episode that we might combine it. We'll see. Uh, until then, I hope everyone has a wonderful winter. Uh, right now, I'm looking out my, my window. It has been snowing since about 8 o'clock this morning. It has not stopped. Uh, it's, it's kind of waxed and waned, but it hasn't really stopped yet. Uh, and so I found out in the middle of the episode, I have a snow day tomorrow. I get to stay up late and sleep in late as well. Woohoo! Uh, and uh, we hope everybody is safe this winter. I know uh, it can get a little bit cold and snowy. So we hope you stay warm and stay, stay safe if you go out and travel in the bad weather. Thanks for joining us here on Simmering Thoughts, and we will talk to you next time.